KTE, Independence, Kansas City. Welcome to Dialogue with State Representative Paul Lavoda, a two-way exchange of ideas concerning issues facing our community. Now, here's your host, State Representative Paul Lavoda. Good morning. It's 8.05 on Sunday morning. My name is State Representative Paul Lavoda, and you're listening to the Dialogue program, our very first program where we're going to try to use this format in radio as an electronic town hall meeting. We're interested in uh, your views on some of the things that we talk about this hour. We have a lot to get to because it's our first program. We really need your participation. So give us a call at 913-491-TALK, 913-491-8255. Or you can give us an instant message at 1510.com. So coming up today, we're going to give you a news update. Um, we have an in-depth interview with Representative Bill Ransdale, one of the experts when it comes to the Missouri budget issue. Um, we're also going to take your live calls and uh, get through uh, some, some of the issues that have been facing local government. And, and I'll, hopefully we'll have time to discuss a little bit about what this show is supposed to be about because we'll be on here every week. Uh, joining me every week uh, will be Chris Whiting. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Paul. Good morning. And uh, I'm glad you're here with me. Uh, Chris is going to help uh, anchor the show a little bit to read some news and uh, hopefully have some good discussions. So let's start with Chris. Chris, let's get with a news update. All right. Chris, we're going to jump right into the news here, Paul. The Missouri House, without debate, votes to send the education budget bills vetoed by Governor Holden onto the Senate. As Barry Bennett reports from the state capitol, the bill handler said it's time for the governor to sign the legislation and end the special session. Working quickly to give the bills back to the governor, House Republicans maneuvered to limit debate on the House education bills. Representative Wes Schumeyer of Clarence objected to the pace at which the bills moved through the process. To shut the voters of this state out of the process is unconscionable. I'm sorry it's come to that. Give the people a voice. Give the people a voice. But House Budget Committee Chairman Representative Carl Bearden of St. Charles said the time for talk is over because we shouldn't be here in the first place. The governor should have signed these bills when he had them on May, when we gave them to him on May 9th. That was a responsible thing to do. Then with just days to spare before a shutdown of state schools, Governor Holden says he will sign education budget bills passed by the General Assembly. Here's Barry again from the state capitol. Just who were the winners and losers in the two-month-long standoff between the governor and the legislature over the state budget depends on who you listen to. Governor Holden tells reporters that it's a sad day for Missouri school children. This is not a budget I support, and I have provided the legislative leadership every opportunity to prevent these cuts to education. Their budget takes our state in the wrong direction, but at this point in the fiscal year, the alternative to signing their budget would force a shutdown to Missouri schools. But Speaker of the House Catherine Hanaway says all taxpayers and their children are the winners. Today is a big win for Missouri taxpayers and for all those who have said live within your means. Because today we have the announcement that the governor is going to sign the last of the budget bills. We have a budget. We have a budget without a tax increase. Holden says he will call another special session to come up with funding ideas for education when the legislature returns to Jefferson City for the veto session in September. Speaker Hanaway says she's ready to listen to funding alternatives, but doesn't believe a special session will be necessary. Reporting from the state capitol, I'm Barry Bennett. One of the uh, advantages of the dialogue program is we're not really a news program, so I'm going to jump in here with some commentary once in a while. By all means. Now, uh, this, is, this is the wrap-up of what's been going on in the Missouri General Assembly with the budget situation since January. I serve on the Appropriation for Education Committee, and we began our hearings in, in January and began to outline exactly what should be in the education budget. And it's been take six months to get to this point. There was threats of government shutdown, that the governor didn't sign these bills, and a lot of rhetoric. Some of the things that you heard in there was uh, Representative Wes Schumeyer, uh, who's a good friend of mine uh, and a, a great advocate for uh, rural Missouri, talked a little bit about people getting cut out of the process. When the majority leadership this week down in Jefferson City basically shut off all discussion to any other alternatives to maybe a 90-day funding or any alternative from public uh, voice on this, and that's what he was referring to. Uh, I, I find it very frustrating that you hear a quote from Speaker Catherine Hanaway that talks about that we need to live within our means. The budget is uh, $190 million out of budget, and the big point of contention is that the Missouri 
House leadership will not agree on the revenue projections with the governor. So the governor has been fighting this battle saying we're not in budget. We're not living within our means. Uh, I, for one, believe we need to live within our means, but that's why I couldn't vote for this bill because it's $190 million out of the budget. We're going to have to take it right from the uh, schools. And uh, what's scary about this, and we talk a little bit about this with uh, coming up soon with uh, Representative Ransdale, uh, it's going to be scary next year. So. Oh, it really sounds like how How many weeks of special session have you been in already? We end up having three weeks of special sessions over now. Uh, so the government will continue. The cuts will, will be there at education. And uh, we're going to have to deal with this this uh, 100, 190 million. It just boggles the mind. 190 million in shortfalls. Did during all this, the special session and the, and the discussions, did the Democrats make any progress on their side as far as what they wanted to accomplish? Not sure what you mean by that, but I can tell you that we we tried to put together a 90-day funding proposal. And part of that was let's fund up until the veto session in September. And then from that point, we really have true revenue numbers of what the money's coming in to the state. That was dismissed and wasn't even allowed through rules. Since the, since on uh, Tuesday, the the rules were suspended to get this so quickly. But for some reason, the House leadership did not want the rules to just be suspended to talk about the 90-day funding option. So it's been frustrating, and the government will continue tomorrow. Uh, there's going to be cuts to education, but things will go on, and the battle will, will be next year. So, so go ahead. Okay, very good. So how can colleges and universities save money in a time of budget cuts? The Missouri House of Representatives is interested in finding new ideas. Funding for higher education is a difficult task in this year of budget revenue shortfalls and cuts. The goal of the Midwest Higher Education Compact, held recently in Minneapolis, Minnesota, is to share money-saving ideas between colleges and universities. Representative David Pierce, Republican from Warrensburg, served as the Missouri House of Representatives delegate to the conference. Representative Pierce explains the main purpose of the compact. Well, first and foremost, I think there's a cost savings. Uh, Missouri does pay dues to be in that of about $82,000 a year. But then the state has received over $13 million in savings since it began in 1991. And so the benefits really outweigh what the cost is to be in that. And also it's a good time to exchange ideas, to do brainstorming, to compare how Missouri compares with other states in the area of higher education. Include computer hardware, telecommunications, property insurance, and tuition reciprocity. The compact meets again in November. The governor has signed a bill aimed at protecting abuse victims and at the same time reducing the chances for identity theft. Missouri courts will no longer require Social Security numbers to be included on petitions for protection orders or on public court documents. Representative Chris Shoemaker, Republican from Macon, sponsor of the bill, explains why this legislation was needed. Uh, the court system basically has protection orders that has social security numbers and names and addresses. The names and addresses really is not something we can hide, but the social security number is it's supposed to be a protected number, and this is what we've eliminated. The courts may still require petitioners to provide their social security numbers on confidential case sheets. The bill becomes law on January 1st, 2004, and that's a wrap-up of the news headlines for this week, Paul. Great. Thank you, Chris. Uh, hopefully that gives a little more insight of the state government and what's been going on. Uh, we have a lot to get up to. We're going to take a break now, but coming up next is going to be an interview rep with Representative Bill Ransdale and then your calls. This is Dialogue with State Representative Paul Lovato on 1510, Hot Talk 1510, KCTE. Let me tell you about the Jackson County Conference Center, Greater Kansas City's newest facility for weddings, receptions, meetings, parties, and corporate events. If you're looking for a first-class and affordable facility, the Jackson County Conference Center is for you. The Jackson County Conference Center has over 3,000 square feet of meeting space for any event, including a full kitchen and separate bar areas. And it's conveniently located near the Truman Sports Complex. Special rates for daytime and Sunday events are also available. Call 816-461-1911 to have one of their event planners assist you. The Jackson County Conference Center will meet your every need. That's 816-491-1911 for Greater Kansas City's newest facility for your event. The Jackson County Conference Center. Hi, this is Chris Whiting, and I got something to say. I want to tell you about my friends at Liberty Realty, people that give you freedom from home buying pressures. Our country is all about freedom, right? But where's your liberty when you buy a home? It seems like everyone is after your wallet instead of helping you find a home that fits your needs. You need your liberty. Liberty Realty, that is. They work for you. They protect your rights. 
Liberty Realty agents are buyer's agents, meaning they work for the one paying for the house, you. Not the builder, not the seller, you, the one making the most important purchase in your life. I know these folks. They care about what they do, and they'll take care of you. So call Liberty Realty at 816-833-6300. They'll give you freedom from the headaches of buying a home. That's 816-833-6300 for Liberty Realty, your buyer's agent. And tell them Chris sent you. Welcome back to Dialogue with State Representative Paul Lavoda on Hot Talk 1510. Joining the program is Representative Bill Ransdale. Bill is the current assistant minority leader in the House of Representatives in Jefferson City in his fourth term and from Pulaski County. Representative Ransdell was awarded the Legislator of the Year by the Missouri Chamber of Commerce, the Legislative Recognition Award by the Missouri Association for Career and Technical Education, and the Missouri Vocational Special Needs Association Distinguished Service for Community Involvement. We asked him on the program to uh, help clarify some of the budget issues. He, in my opinion, is one of the only people in Jefferson City who really understand the budget and the budget process, and uh, I'm glad you were able to join us today. I'm Bill. very glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, Bill, how did we get to a point where the governor has had to, add, had to veto different appropriation bills, and this is a special session, and they call it extraordinary session. It hasn't happened in many years. Try to help us understand why are we, why have we gone this far? Well, one thing uh, I think is the budget being out of balance. We all know that we've had revenue uh, shortfalls around $300 million this year that uh, projected, uh, you know, here we are working on a budget. We start in January six months out on the beginning of a new year. And you're so far out that it always takes forecast. Now, in the previous years, my seven years I've served here, with the exception of last year, we ended up with about a $250 million shortfall. And we actually took the initiative, went back in after we'd uh, almost completed the budget, and took that other $250 million out so we could send a balanced budget to the governor. And this year, the problem is, is that the uh, revenue is down. The uh, cost of government, as we all know, continues to go up with everything from health care to uh, the prisons. When you look at corrections, we're incarcerating more people. Uh, all my career up here, uh, people have said be tougher on the DWIs, be tougher, tougher on those uh, sexual offenders. And so we've got more people in prison uh, at a rate of sometimes adding six people a day. And that's really increased the cost. To keep these people, costs have gone up. So it's sort of simple mathematics. The income has gone down while the cost has gone up, therefore making that spread wider. Uh, right now, uh, the budget that has been uh, sent to the governor was about $240 million out of balance, which means we budgeted more money, $240 more million than we expect to have in revenue. So, and, and let me ask you about that. The budget chair on the House floor last week, I think you and I inquired him about this, this yeah. shortfall. Yes, and we did. he basically claims there's no shortfall. Yes, but the only reason he claims there's no shortfall is he doesn't change the revenue estimate. And we all know that, that uh, in May, we found out that we're going to be about $300 million short in revenue coming in. The economy has not turned around. Back in January, we predicted uh, increase uh, in, in revenue due to taxation, money being spent. People were going to make more money. And right now, as we all know, as we all know right now, there are more people laid off than, than has been unemployed in a long time. Mm -hmm. That's also a big drain mm -hmm. on us, and the income is just not there. Stock so there, there's, not they're up. simply they're simply counting on revenue that has not produced for this year. Is that correct? That is correct, and and all the economists say it's not going to produce. The economy is not going to turn around. As we speak, they have just. Uh, lowered the interest rate again, trying to spur the economy, and it's not working. Where I've been frustrated this session is that the budget chair and the majority party has constantly claimed that we need to live within our means. And the discussion has been about cuts for education, and we can get into that for a second. But, uh, but first, really this is not a balanced budget because the House did not agree on the same number as the governor and the Senate. Is that that is that's correct. That's the first time in my history that okay. I've been up here that we did not have a full consensus of the of the three parties, and that's the Senate, the House, and the governor's staff. And always before, they have agreed on a number. Now, the budget chair said he would work off that number, but he did not agree with that number. So, really, I mean, literally, we're not on the same page from the get-go, and that's why, as, as the budget has been passed and we look to thank the governor 
was forced to say this is out of balance. Oh, that, that is correct. And the Constitution says that the governor shall balance the budget. Uh, we can send him a budget that's $250 million uh, out of whack or $500 million or whatever the figure is. But then the responsibility becomes uh, that of the governor to balance the budget because we're not like the federal government. We cannot just print money or operate under a continuing resolution or do all sorts of things that the federal government does. The state of Missouri, the Constitution, the people, when they set it up, said we're not going to spend more money than we have. And this, I know it would be pure speculation on your part, but why do you think that the majority party and the budget chair particularly decided not to come and agree upon a number with the governor and the Senate? Why did they do what's so different of years past? I think that uh, it's all about the uh, governor's race. I think, I think we're strictly using politics and not people. I think we're uh, narrow-minded in what we're doing. We're not up here serving the people. We're up here getting ready for a gubernatorial election, and I think that's sad. And because part of that is if the revenues don't come in, the governor has to balance that, and he does that through withholdings. That's, that's correct, and, and uh, most of the people do not understand the difference between a withhold or a cut. And so, therefore, the press will be that the governor withheld uh, $240 million from, uh, primarily from education, and they're going to be mad at the governor when it's really not the governor's fault. I'm not in this thing between the governor and the House, but I think the House had a responsibility and a duty to pass a balanced budget, and we did not do that. Regardless, regardless of the balance, there's also talk about the cuts. Yes. So can you tell me a little bit about how you think the cuts will affect? And, and cuts is kind of a... a I try to explain that for the listeners is cuts based on what happened last year. When, and when people are talking about cuts, they're talking about what is the difference from last year's appropriation to, say, education. And it's lower, so they call it a cut. So how, how do you think that's going to affect? Or what are people telling you? Well, what I've, uh, I've even talked to the majority uh, uh, floor leader this week about that. And one thing, uh, they'll start next year's budget out at the same level it was this year, then minus the governor's cuts. So it's, it's bad. We're, we're deteriorating a year at a time, for instance, in education. They started education out this year at last year's level, saying we're not going to cut education. When, indeed, if you don't balance a budget, they will have the withhold. Because of the withhold. That's right. The revenue's not coming in. The revenue's not coming in, so a withhold then becomes a cut. Mm -hmm. And next year, if you take the $190 million that's going to come out of education now, Next year, you're going to start out at $190 million less. And then if we do the same thing next year, which I expect we will as we did this year, then you're going to cut again. So you can see that if we cut around $200 million this year, we cut $200 million next year, mm -hmm. then the reality is education is actually $400 million less than it was year before last. And the speculation is that we lose close to 3,000 teachers throughout the state and other financial impacts throughout the state. Yes, and, and I talked to one of my superintendents, uh, in fact, today, and, and the superintendent said that what this is going to do, this is going to put classrooms back up to 25 or 30 students, not, not only when they cut those teachers out that you just talked about, mm -hmm. those 3,000 teachers out, they're not cutting the children out. So therefore, you're going to take all those students that would have been in those 3,000 teachers' class, and you're going to spread them out in other classes. So what are we doing? We're putting more of a student load back on the teachers. Who suffers in all this? Don't talk about the governor's race. Who suffers in this? The children suffer in this. Our education and our future. We can talk about economic development all around the state if we want to. That's fine. But our economic development is in these children and in their future. If we don't educate them, we don't get them out here in the workforce, then, then we are the ones that uh, are going to suffer because those kids, they need to be educated. They need to have an abil uh, the ability to go out and have a good job, hopefully go on to college get a you know get a better job and and the other thing we're doing here with the with the cuts to higher education you have to realize that the University of Missouri Columbia just announced a 19.8 percent increase up there Paul so so what's happening then that also has a ripple effect the next group of people I heard from and you read a while ago there that I'd been a, sort of a champion of community colleges and both tech centers because there's a lot of people in rural Missouri that don't get to go to University of Kansas City or Missouri or wherever, and their, their education is furthered in these little community colleges and in Votech centers. They learn a trade. They go out and they're productive people. What's happening is as the universities increase, and the University of Missouri Rolla, I attended University of Missouri Rolla, it has almost doubled in the last five years their tuition cost. 
So as you drive up that cost, it's going to eliminate some people from going on and receiving a higher education. So therefore, you're going to have more people pushed into right. community colleges. You're going to have more people pushed into VOTEC training. And so those are lower paying jobs. And it, it's just, it's, it's not a good thing for the education of the state of people, the state of Missouri. It seems real short-sighted. And, and some of the frustrations I had this session, and uh, I would like for you to maybe comment on things that happened last session. Uh, the governor proposed some ideas to bring in some revenue. One of them that I was clearly in favor of was getting rid of that $500 loss limit for the boats. Yes. They can bring them close to $100 million. We could put that in education. So, because, you know, those middle-income people who have to pay for college for their kids, they're going to get a tax increase for their college. They're going to get a, perhaps a tax increase from the local school district. So, let's use reasons like real solutions that doesn't hit the pocketbook. But... The House has basically railroaded, or House leadership has basically not allowed any of this discussion to happen. That is 100% correct. We've had those revenue bills uh, closing the loopholes, I think. it's, uh, And they can talk about tax increase, tax increase, tax increase all they want to. But if the people will look at who's affected by the tax increases, those big companies um, like Toys R Us or Home Depot, those people have out-of-state corporations, and they avoid paying taxes in the state of Missouri. Mm -hmm. And I have said over and over, just let them pay their fair share. If somebody has a little store in a community and one of these other stores that have set up an out-of-state-based company so they don't pay taxes, I don't think that's fair. Right. So the people of your district, the people of my district, would not be affected by these revenue packages. We've had uh, uh, yachts. You know, uh -huh. uh, in my area, people buy fishing boats and bass boats, and right. maybe somebody will buy a skiing boat. But I don't have very many people in Pulaski mm -hmm. County that own a yacht. But if you own a yacht that weighs over five tons in the state of Missouri, you get a big tax break. Uh -huh. and, and I don't think that's fair. If you've got three or four or five hundred thousand dollars to buy a lot, let a yacht, let them pay the same tax rate as a guy does buying a five thousand dollar bass boat in my area. You know, I, to me, the, these situations should have been discussed on the floor and the House. Uh, majority party should have allowed us to do this um, because we're going to be hit later. There, you know, I, I'm not for tax increases at this time, but by golly, people need to start paying their fair share. Well, that's uh, you know one thing that really gripes me is that we let we're one of the last, if not the last, state in the nation that allows people to overcharge overcharge their customers on taxes and then come back up here to Jefferson City and get that money. And Paul, that's seven and a half million dollars. Seven and a half million dollars. That's not a tax increase. That's just fair. Right. I mean, if you and I go to a store and they overcharge us a nickel or a dime or, or whatever, and they do that to five million people in the state of Missouri, that's just profit. That's just corporate greed. And it's not going back to you. I think that as individuals, if we would pass that one, those people probably wouldn't overcharge. If the state of Missouri got it, they'd probably reduce right. that. And actually, the people win on that. The people that are paying too much now get to keep that money. I don't look at those things as, as tax increases. I don't consider yacht tax a tax increase. I don't consider refunds to purchasers a tax increase. I don't... I don't uh, uh, consider any of those things because they won't affect people in my district. They won't affect people in your district unless you have an out-of-state corporation or you own a yacht or you own a, a gambling boat. So at this point, it, the governor's vetoed the education bills twice. They've been passed twice by the House. They're on the governor's desk. Uh, where, where do we go from here? I guess I'd like to know your opinion on what do you think comes next and even more than that, what happens next year when we don't have any more of this one-time money? Are, are we, do you think we're going to be in the same boat next year? No, we're going to be in a lot worse. In fact, um, as you know, I used to be an appropriations chairman, so I've, right. I've worked in this budget uh, very hard and very long hours, and I, I know quite a bit about the budget. I have asked the Office of Administration to project out the 05 budget, which, uh, you know, in about seven months, we're going to be back up here working on the 05 budget. I mean, this thing goes around quicker than you think. And I've asked them to project that out for me. Right now, their projections are $998.4 million. So just round it off, you know, it's a billion-dollar deficit. Now, if the governor withholds $240 million, mm. then they'll take that off that. So then we're going to be looking next year at a $750 million deficit when we come back up here in January and start on the old budget. Wow. And that's from the get-go. Mm -hmm. So... You know, the problem by not dealing with the problem now, it's just kind of like not making your house payment this month. 
and make it a couple months, then you don't make it again. And, you know, a year from now, you're going to owe a lot of money. And that's sort of the way we are here. We're not keeping up. And if we don't look at some of these loopholes and some of these things that will not affect people, I'm not talking about going out there and raising a tax on a single thing. Right. I'm just talking about going out there and doing what's right, doing what your neighbor's doing. That's all, I, that's all I'm asking for. But if we do that now, that would sure soften that blow in 05. Well, I agree. I thank you very much for helping clarify this and be interested in some of the callers. Uh, coming up next, after we take a break, we'll take calls. And I'd uh, like to know your opinion on this whole Missouri budget situation. Are we doing the right thing or not? Give us a call. This is Dialogue with State Representative Paul Levote on Hot Talk 1510. Been good at the Yacht Club lately? Perhaps a little too good. Last year, 98 of Missouri's biggest corporations paid absolutely nothing in taxes, and 16,000 of the state's most profitable corporations paid less in taxes than the average Missourian. While our teachers are laid off, some politicians are trying to preserve these loopholes that let yacht owners and big out-of-state corporations avoid paying their fair share. Tell Representative Jason Brown it's time to stop cutting money from our schools and to start protecting our families and small businesses by passing common sense tax reform. Call Representative Jason Brown at 573-751-6593 and tell him to support Governor Holden's common sense budget solution. Paid for by the Coalition to Protect Education and Healthcare. Welcome back to Dialogue with State Representative Paula Vote on KCTE Hot Talk 1510. Um, my name is State Representative Paul Lavoda. I'm glad to be here this morning. I'm here with Chris Whiting. Welcome, Chris. Thank you very much. Good to be here. And uh, we want your participation in the dialogue. Give us a call at 913-491-TALK. That's 913-491-8255. Also, we'll be glad to take your instant message at 1510.com because that's the point of this dialogue. It's a program where you get to participate and talk to uh, some of the policymakers around your government. Yeah, and that really leads me into a question I have. I think a lot of people might be interested in. Okay. Uh, why a radio show? Why have you decided to do this, get on the air, and, and talk to the people? Well, I, I'm a state representative, and I, you know, I probably should just kind of set it up a little bit for those listening. I represent the 52nd District in Missouri. That is basically southeast Independence, east Kansas City, a small portion of Lee Summit, and all of Unity Village, Missouri. Uh, I represent about 35,000 people in the state of Missouri. My job is to uh, be their, their representative in state government. Uh, most of the time, I'm down in Jefferson City uh, working through different legislation that I think would uh, help improve uh, you know, how the quality of life, make sure uh, Missouri is a better place to live, work, and raise a family. Um, with that, I, I've always felt that uh, represent – oh, by the way, it was just my first – this is my first term. I was just elected in November and started in January. Um, with that said, I, the job is state representative, and the point of the job is to really understand what your constituents and what the public thinks about some of the issues, and then take them down to state government and represent those views. I think that uh, most politicians really don't do a very good job at, of seeking out the opinions of the public. Um, I've tried to do different things. I have a a, uh, a weekly, or I'm sorry, a monthly uh, newsletter that goes out to constituents and. Uh, that, that seems to spread some word, and also I'm always available for people to give me a call in the office. But I thought, you know, every campaign, you're barraged with advertisements on television and radio telling you, get involved with the political process, but once the election's over, you hardly hear from an uh, elected official unless they want something. So I wanted to start dialogue to give people an opportunity to call in. I can understand a little bit more about where people are coming from. It just helps me do my job better. Um, you know, it just basically to supply some information and more than anything else, help me learn a little bit more. Um, so that's what the dialogue program is supposed to be about. Now, you know where I got the name dialogue? Have I told you that? No, I have no idea. Well, uh, back in the 70s in, in the state of Missouri, we had a great congressman named Jerry Litton, and he had a program uh, once a month called Dialogue with Litton. And I think he was a good example of well, what it's like to be a true representative and uh, we borrowed the name, and we'll continue to do this every week on KCTE AM. So, oh, that's great. So every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning we'll be we're here. going to be here. That's good. That's right. Uh, now, you said this is your first term. Right. And I, I think the story about how you got into politics is pretty interesting. 
Uh, if you could just let people know your background in politics and, and how and why you got into it. Well, you know, I was on the uh, Scott Forey show the other day, and he asked me, well, why, why do you get into politics? And I said, I thought about it, and I thought, well, when you grow up in a family like I have, where I have uh, a father and a mother and grandparents who are always involved with the community, trying to do their part to better the community, and I have, you know, a brother who's a prosecutor, a brother who's a city councilman, a brother who's a uh, lead uh, member in his local church. I mean, that's just kind of how our family's been. Plus, you live in Independence, and you go to Harry Truman High School, and you learn about the uh, courage and, and convictions of someone like Harry Truman constantly, and then you do some reading about uh, people of, in history like Abraham Lincoln who had the persistence to really make things happen, I always wonder why aren't more people involved with politics? It's just always been something I think is a really noble calling, and uh, I'm glad it, I'm just honored that I was elected and get to serve because I love this job. Uh, very good. And I guess we should mention we are taking callers this morning. Yeah, at uh, 913-491-TALK, 913-491-TALK. Do we have a call? Do we have three calls? Okay. Let's call, let's go to Robert. He's been uh, calling, and and uh, I'm not sure exactly. Mike is going to help us work out the radio kinks. Robert, are you on the air? You're on the dialogue. Welcome. I am, Paul. Enjoy the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for calling in. Not a problem. Of course, I'm going to call in because one of the things that, uh, as a Missouri city citizen, education, I have three kids in the school districts. Um, my concern, we were sold a bill of goods on this casino gambling. If it passes... All the revenues would help the education, bridges. We're second worst in highways and bridges, I believe, in, in the country, the state of Missouri. Our education's getting cut, but yet the casinos keep growing. Why is that? I'm going to hang up and listen to you off the air. Let, let me ask you first real uh -huh. quick. Robert, where do you live? Where are you where about Liberty. You're over in Liberty, okay. All right. Um, that's a great question. I get that question a lot, and um, I actually... I've learned a lot in the Appropriations Committee for Education. But here's, here's what happened. When we began the casino experiment, and the laundry for that matter, uh, those monies were completely earmarked for education. Well, they went to education, and in the late 90s when the economy was going well and we had a surplus in our state government, uh, instead of maybe planning for the future, state government decided that, you know what would be good? Let's cut some taxes. Let's get rid of some of those money that uh, we're getting now because we have this extra casino money. So what happened is that we cut that and so the level of money that we've had total has reduced. Does that make sense, Robert? It does. And so now all the money, and it's something like $200 million that go into from the casinos um, go into education, but it takes about uh, $2.5 to do our education in the state of Missouri. So as we brought that in, we've took other money out. And What's what's frustrating is that when you look at this budget, and I, I, I don't know how other states do this, but there's so many things earmarked, it's hard to, for uh, the legislator to say, well, we need this money here, we need this money here, because it's earmarked from the federal government or past statute. So um, it, it, your money from casino is going to education. Unfortunately, the money we were paying before is not. Well, don't I understand it right that the money that used to be when you went to a casino, they charged you a dollar, five dollars to get on board. Mm -hmm. That's where the money from the education was coming from. Well, part of that money, half of that money goes to early childhood education programs like Head Start and okay. uh, the district that my children go in, Head Start and Independence is uh, phenomenal. They do a great job. And then the other half goes to funding veteran programs, veteran homes. Uh, some of that money helped with the, the uh, revitalization, revitalization of the Liberty Memorial. Mm -hmm. So it's half and half there. So, you know, some of the, the governor, governor's proposal was let's increase that rate that, you, that costs you to get into the boats. Mm -hmm. And then also let's get rid of that $500 loss limit. That $500 loss limit, uh, according to the numbers, would have, if we would have got rid of that, they would have brought in about $100 million extra. That could have gone right into our education and helped. And I don't see it as a tax increase. What do you think, Robert? Do you think that's a tax increase? You know, no. I think what we need to do is, is if there's a shortage is go back and reevaluate that mm -hmm. and up the tax on that, on the casinos. Well, well, you know, the, if if we got rid of that loss limit, the casinos would be paying more taxes and they'd be making more money and so those jobs would be generated and the whole purpose of us having them in the first place. So, well, and I understand that, but, Paul, if you look at it, they're not losing money. Casinos are making more money, more money, more money, more money. Mm -hmm. 
So why not increase the tax now on them? Uh, it's the loss limit. That's mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. But you know what? They're still making money. Mm -hmm. That's true. And my feeling is is that if we're the voted the number two worst, is it highway or bridges alone out of the whole country, Missouri is. Mm -hmm. Why is, you know, when we've got all this surplus, we used to have all this surplus. Right. I mean, that's the problem right there. We don't have the surplus anymore. And, uh, you know, we have to do a better job of state government to say, when we take your money, we're going to be uh, using your money responsible. So, th so thank you very much for calling, Robert. Appreciate thank it. Bye. Thank you. All right, first call, Chris. Hey, very good. I think that went well. That's right. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's a good question. And, and um, thank you for calling in, Robert. And you can call in, too. Uh, let's go ahead and go to Mike, if we could. Mike's on the line. Mike, are you there? I'm here. Hi. Uh, you're on the dialogue with State Representative Paul Lavota. How can I help you today? Hey, I got a question for you. Yeah. Well, if the if if the balance if the budget really isn't balanced, and the governor has agreed to go ahead and finally sign these bills, and of course he told said the Republicans the Republicans said it was balanced, he said it wasn't. Does this mean that that uh, in addition to you know what we already perceive as cuts in education, he's going to have to hold more money out this year? Well, un unfortunately, that is exactly the case. They're going to hold more money out um, of the education budget. So. Um, people who, uh, you know, I, I have the great privilege of representing the Independence, Blue Springs, Lee Summit, and Raytown school districts. As the superintendents plan their budget year, as the withholds come, they, they're just taken right out of the budget. So, um, in effect, they cut a lot more education. And the way they did it, Mike, was really unfair on the floor because there was no discussion. There was a um, few of us um, talking about, you know, how the process, we should talk about more of the of the different issues that affect this. Uh, Representative uh, Sager from Eastern Jackson County was one of the leaders of uh, standing up on the floor talking about the process in the House. And uh, unfortunately, it was just shut down. So we'll just uh, live to fight another day. Well, well so if, if this is really the Republicans' fault for, for uh, not putting enough money in education, how is the governor going to convince Missouri that when he does these withholdings that you know, this is their fault, this is, this is their cuts? Uh, that's that's the uh, that's the golden question. I am not sure how how he's going to do that. I think we just have to continue to spread the message, and hopefully you'll tell your friends, won't you, Mike? I absolutely, I will. All right, thanks a lot, Mike. Hey, thank you. Uh, good educate good educated people here already calling on the dialogue. Yeah, these these people are well informed, much more than me. That's for instance, you know. <laughs> wow, well, that's great. Let's go ahead and go to Anna. Anna, you on the line? Hi, Anna. Hi. You're I'm on the dialogue on Hot Talk 1510. Great. Thank you. I'm enjoying your show this morning. Thank you. What I, my question is, is that I have a daughter that's in the Blue Springs School District. Okay. Now, with the budget shortfalls and the budget controversy, how does that affect the Blue Springs School District? Okay. Now, that's a really good question because when you look at the headlines, they talk about cuts to schools, and um, some people are claiming there's going to be close to 3,000 teachers cut. Um, throughout the state, but people are often wonder, well, what is, how does that affect my school? The withholdings for the Blue Springs School District, which I'm, by the way, and I got to put this in that I'm honored to help represent in the 52nd District, um, would be a cut of uh, $4.7 million. So as you can see, in a community like Blue Springs, um, who has done a just a, a phenomenal job of supporting local levies and local um, efforts to improve their education, uh, as they pay their fair share to the state, um, as we withhold and we cut, they're going to lose $4.7 million. And that, uh, that's hard for a, you said you have a daughter, right? I do. I have a daughter going into first grade. Okay. It's, it's, it's um, you know, we, those, your daughter and the children like her are exactly what our government should be protecting and making sure that they have the brightest future available. And uh, I'm not happy with a $4.7 million cut to the Blue Springs School District. But I thank you for your call very much, Anna. You know, and that's big. We should mention Blue Springs, and this is not to slight any other school district, but they're an award-winning school district. Absolutely. And a lot of people move to that community just to get their children into that school district. Mm -hmm. Well, and you could say the same though, Independence or Lee Summit or, or, or Raytown, you know, some of the, you know, the North Kansas City School District. Mm -hmm. I'm not as familiar with them. Liberty, some of the school districts that really... Um, put their money where their mouth is, are going to be harmed the most. Right. So that's that's unfortunate. Any more calls there? Okay, well, we, we need you to give us a call at 913-491-TALK, uh, 913 
And also, you can give us an instant message at 1510.com. Yeah, I got a question for you, Paul. Sure. Uh, I think it's pretty impressive. Uh, you've gotten three callers already, and I know this, you know, the, the budget talk is actually pretty emotional for a lot of people, but your, your first time on the air here, three callers right out of the gate, is wonderful. How are you going to gauge the success of this show? What is it going to mean for you uh, to be able to say this show is successful? How will you know that? Well, I'm going to be happy when I walk away a little bit uh, understanding what's on people's minds. You know, that call from Robert, they, he's wondering about the casino money, and it, it better highlights to me something that we probably need to focus on in the Missouri General, Missouri General Assembly. And um, I also, you know, I kind of made a list of what the show is and what it isn't so people understand a little bit. Uh-huh. And the way I want it to work is hopefully it's electronic town hall meeting and we get what people think, what they're really believing, and we can seek that feedback from the community. Um, I would like to get to a point where I'm listening more than I'm talking because we don't see that enough in public officials. We'd all be happy with that, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Uh, you're always there for me. Um, you know, I want it to be a dialogue about um, government. You know, in, in a market like Kansas City, you have plenty of news that talks about national government. You can get the mayor on the news. You can talk to about the vice president, the president, all those important people. But uh, some of the people, uh, county chairman or state officials, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. Mm -hmm. I, I hopefully, we can uh, have that uh, um, uh, fleshed out a little bit. I was hoping, I'm hoping that as people listen to the show, they feel real comfortable with calling. And they actually feel so comfortable they can call and say, hey, do a show on this topic. Tell me about health care in Missouri. Tell me about economic development. Or even then call and say, hey, I know. In fact, I have a neighbor who came by uh, yesterday and said, I understand you're doing a show. We'd like to talk about the uh, Civil War history uh, information in this area. I think that would be an interesting show to do. Oh, yeah. Point. So hopefully uh, they will be, um, you you'll feel comfortable providing some topics and, and actually being a guest. Yeah, that'd be great to make this listener-driven radio. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, it'd be real comfortable with me saying I don't know. Uh, one of the challenges I have as a state rep is that there's so many bills that come before you, you can't be an expert on everything. You have to rely on other people to uh, in, your, in your, your colleagues to help you. So a lot of these things I may not know, but I'll take a message and give you a call back. And since we're here in Kansas City, I want to make sure that Kansas is included. Uh, next week, I'm invited... Uh, State Representative Dan O'Malley from the 24th District in Kansas. He's a Republican freshman. And every once in a while, throw in the Kansas stuff, too, because it's got to be boring sitting here in Overland Park at the studio where some of these people only talk about Missouri. Um, so we want to be info, yet professional, informative, engaging. But um, I tell you, we don't want, really want arguments. There's mm -hmm. plenty of that on the radio. There's plenty of screaming matches. Um, this... Even though I'm a Democrat, I don't, I'm not going to consider this a party show. This isn't going to hear, you're not going to hear party rhetoric here. Um, you, as, a, as a Democrat, you'll hear me with my opinion, and I'll say some things. But, you know, the party doesn't control this program. Um, I think I mentioned this before at the top of the hour. This isn't a new show either. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, a lot of people come on the air and they say, well, we're fair and balanced and blah, blah, blah. Um, we're going to give you some information, but realize there is a, you know, there is, uh, my perception, Chris's perception in here as well. So um, it's not hard news. And uh, that kind of gets me out of any type of requirement to be a real journalism to do fair and balanced. I'm, I'm only trying to acquire the information. Um, and more than anything else, I'm, I don't want to pretend to be this is a hard news show because it really isn't. It's an it's a informative show where people get to call in. So, Well, I'm hooked. You got me as a listener. <laughs> At least we got one person listening. And hopefully... Um, our producer, Mike Cotter, is listening as well. And he's telling me that there are two calls. Okay. Christy, let's go and take Christy. Christy, you're on the dialogue on Hot Talk 1510. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. I'm glad you were talking about being fair and balanced mm -hmm. because that seems to be a buzzword, especially if you are, watch a certain TV show. And I am a veteran of going down to the Capitol in uh, Jefferson City and sitting in committee meetings and also watching the dialogue on the floor. And I think that your listeners would be very interested in knowing uh, how shrill and how disconnected the dialogue was this year. And I was amazed that some of the procedures were overlooked and uh, yeah, I was the rudeness. Too. I was too, and I was uh, kind of disappointed that the fact that, you know, it, there's always a campaign season. And you have to uh, vigorously fight for your opinion, but at some point you need to govern. 
But unfortunately, the House of Representatives have become into a continual campaign mode, and that's how the leadership has run it. They've cut debate. They've done a thing called the previous question where you cut debate 50 times this session. Uh, when the Democrats were in control, they used um, the, that procedure 50 times in the last five years. So you can see the dramatic increase in not hearing both sides of it. They would schedule um, uh, hearings during the day where people who worked couldn't be there. They would cut off debate. Uh, they would basically ignore um, uh, some of the public's point of view because they have a specific agenda, and that agenda is to campaign. Is that what you observed, too? Oh, it was awful. Well, the very first time I got to go down on President's Day, I watched you and some of the other legislators in education appropriations. And I was really encouraged because we had new people that were in leadership positions. Right. And she actually wasn't, um, what I would say, conducting a meeting in the best way. But the former, um, the former chair wheeled his way over and kind of whispered in her ear to give her some direction and guidance. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I really thought, okay, well, this might work. You know, the, they're all going to work together for the betterment of uh, children and education. And they had governor's staff there and you know people were polite and so i was encouraged with that but then i went up to the house and listened to some of the dialogue between you know the aisles and how people were standing in line and were not being recognized and that i was really concerned with and the next visit i had in march it was completely different the tone and tenor had mm -hmm. changed and the republicans decided just to send about the budget on to the Senate without even doing their job. And I thought, how can they do that? Right, and you're referring to, the, at some point, they, instead of having uh, line items of what should be in the budget, budget, they just get a lump sum and threw it to the governor and but or to the not, Senate. They didn't even do their job. Absolutely, I, I completely agree. You on the floor, and you debated and wanted to, you know, go through that budget process, mm -hmm. and you were quite articulate, and I appreciate that from, you know, someone from Kansas City being able to... Uh, exercise that but oh my goodness it was just i i bet i couldn't believe it it was just i, I thought this is not fair there are rules you know this is going to get called out of order and it wasn't and mm -hmm. it's still you know well well I, i'm glad i'm glad you brought that up i um christy and and uh you know i i'm i appreciate the compliment i feel like i should be down there fighting for education and for teachers and uh you know i was i always say that I would love that saying that if you continue to do the same thing over and over again, that's the definition of insanity. And I was hoping as we had term limits, we would stop some of the insanity, but uh, it seemed to increase. So thank you for your call. We need to take a break right now. Okay. Uh, we'll take a break. Thank you very much, Christy, for calling. You're listening to Dialogue with State Representative uh, Paul Lavota on Hot Talk 1510. Let me tell you about the Jackson County Conference Center, Greater Kansas City's newest facility for weddings, receptions, meetings, parties, and corporate events. If you're looking for a first-class and affordable facility, the Jackson County Conference Center is for you. The Jackson County Conference Center has over 3,000 square feet of meeting space for any event, including a full kitchen and separate bar areas. And it's conveniently located near the Truman Sports Complex. Special rates for daytime and Sunday events are also available. Call 816-461-1911 to have one of their event planners assist you. The Jackson County Conference Center will meet your every need. That's 816-491-1911 for Greater Kansas City's newest facility for your events. The Jackson County Conference Center. Hi, Chris Whiting here again, and I still got something to say. I want to tell you about my friends at Liberty Realty, the people that give you freedom from home buying pressures. Our country's all about freedom, right? But where's your liberty when you buy a home? It seems like everyone is after your wallet instead of helping you find a home that fits your needs. You need your liberty. Liberty Realty, that is. They work for you. They protect your rights. Liberty Realty agents are buyer's agents, meaning they work for the one paying for the house, you. Not the builder, not the seller, you. The one making the most important purchase in your life. I know these folks. They care about what they do, and they'll take care of you. So call Liberty Realty at 816-833-6300. They'll give you freedom from the headaches of buying a home. That's 816-833-6300 for Liberty Realty, your buyer's agents. And tell them Chris sent you. Welcome back to Dialogue with State Representative Paul Lavota on Hot Talk 1510. Uh, it's great to be here. This is our first show, and so far so good, and we've had some great callers. Um, hopefully the information that we provided was helpful to you as you understand 
uh, state government. But I'm one, I really believe in the idea that you take your job seriously, but you don't take yourself seriously. And in that same vein, on the lighter side of the news, uh, here's Chris Whiting with a commentary. Thanks, Paul. I'm Chris Whiting, and I've got something to say. Attorney General John Ashcroft, in his ongoing effort to eradicate national and international threats to our country and obliterate civil rights, continues to look for ways to expand the Patriot Act, giving the Department of Justice more and more power. Ashcroft claims that if he is to achieve any success in keeping the country safe, more authority is absolutely necessary. I do not agree. Ashcroft's assessment that he's been a failure to this point is ludicrous. Case in point, look at perhaps the highest profile criminal brought to justice since September 11th. A real feather in the cap of the Department of Justice, Martha Stewart. The so-called queen of the homemakers, and come on, we all know Ashcroft isn't too crazy about the queen of anything, is unquestionably guilty of numerous offenses, from problematic window dressings to creating the world's most boring TV show, a distinction she achieved after the white dude with the afro died who painted those pictures on PBS. But perhaps no crime she committed was as reprehensible as the one she's actually being prosecuted for, achieving incredible success in a man's world. Let's face it. The money we're talking about here that Stewart allegedly used insider information to save, about 20 k is pocket change for rich, snobby, boring people like her. I really believe the problem for Stewart is that she played the man's game of business better than most men, and it made someone dadgum uncomfortable. She's a celebrity and a perfectionist, and there are plenty of us regular folks that eat hamburger helper and probably can't afford the finest chinette who would love to see Stewart's flaws exposed to the whole world. And who knows, if Port TV and the Home and Garden Channel team up, Maybe we'll all get the chance to see Stuart work her magic on cinder block walls and a stainless steel toilet. Or maybe there will be a future celebrity episode of Trading Spaces with Stuart and Robert Downey Jr. The ways to capitalize on Stuart's bogus downfall are seemingly limitless. Of course, Saddam Hussein is still at large and Osama bin Laden is eluding capture, but come on. I'm sure it's a cakewalk for that guy to blend in with all of the other six-foot-six Arabs out there who walk with a cane and rely on a dialysis machine to stay alive. So when Ashcroft and his cronies have skillfully uncovered the fiendish plot of Martha Stewart while covering the naked bosom of the statue at the Justice Department, do they really need more authority? I think not. I'm Chris Whiting, and as far as you know, that's my opinion. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Thanks for bringing the lighter side. I want to remind everyone and tell you about the first annual 4th of July Kids Parade in Independence. This is kind of a neat thing. Amy Knipp, Mary Shawwaller, Claire McDonald, and Linda Burton have decided that we need a nice little parade for children ride their bikes around on uh, 4th of July. It's kind of your great community message about how uh, patriotic we need to be on that day. So uh, if you want to meet in the morning at, uh, oh, I don't have the time here. You can always call in and get the time. At, I think it's 10 o'clock at the Emanuel Baptist Church in, on South Main Street in Historic Independence. Kids, get your bikes and run around and uh, we'll have a parade specifically for you. Uh, thank you very much for joining Dialogue with State Representative Paul Lavoda. Uh, in our first show, we hope you give us a call next week and uh, suggest anything you need. Uh, next week, we have uh, Kansas State Representative Dan O'Malley from the 24th District and Missouri Representative Trent Skaggs from the 31st District to talk about health issues in the state of Missouri. That's a dialogue on KCTE Hot Talk 1510.